Hello and welcome to the Smells Like Infinite Sadness podcast. I'm your host, Michael Taylor. Those of you who don't know, I run the website, SmellsLikeInfiniteSadness.com. It's a blog covering the best alternative rock from the 80s and 90s up to present day. I'm a proud middle-aged Gen Xer who is still obsessed with the music of his youth and loves to talk about it. But if you've been following my blog and this podcast, we also discuss films in our Smells Like Cinematic Sadness uh, portion, where we discuss the best and bad films. We've also covered uh, Fantastic Fest and film festivals and the like. And uh, this week, we're we're a little bit behind because we've had some things going on, but uh, we like to take the time to celebrate the legacy of the late actor Rucker Hauer, who passed away two weeks ago at the age of 75. Rucker Hauer was a cult classic actor for uh, my generation, Generation X, was in some very landmark films, including Blade Runner, The Hitcher. He was even in later films like Batman Begins and Hobo with a Shotgun, so he's had a pretty long story career. He's never a, what I would consider a household name, but he was always a great just a great presence to a film, always kind of the, the hidden element as a supporting actor. It was a lead on some occasions, but was was primarily a supporting or character actor. Anyways, so to this uh, week we're going to look back and, and look back at his legacy, discuss what he meant to us, and give him a send-off, even though we're a little bit behind. So uh, rest in peace, Rucker Hauer, and please enjoy this piece dedicated to his legacy. <laughs> Today we're going to do something a little bit different. Normally when we talk about films, we talk about films that are so bad they're good, and, and we're still doing those, but we kind of wanted to change course this week because uh, last week was the death of Rutger Hauer. Rutger Hauer was a Dutch actor who was in a ton of cult classic films of the 80s and 90s, and he was still going strong until he passed away last week at the age of 75. Um, if you grew up in our generation, you know him from Blade Runner, which we're going to touch on heavily. He was also in films like The Hitcher, Lady Hawk, uh, Nighthawks, two films with the word hawk in it. He played <laughs> vampires and, and Buffy the Vampire Slayer and several other vampire films. Um, so he had a pretty wide-ranging career, although he's kind of known for playing villains, but he's played everything from heroes to villains to everything in between to character roles. So we kind of just want to touch and, on his ca- career. And 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 low-budget sex films from the mm-hmm. 70s. <laughs> yeah. Some of his start. Yeah, he he uh he was, you know, a a big part of uh of Paul Verhoeven's early career. They worked together in films like Turkish Delight and things like that. And, and I believe I read that he was he was originally considered for the role of Robocop. I think I I, I think I read oh, wow. that. That would have been pretty amazing. I mean uh, the what was it? Peter Peter Weller, was that the actor mm-hmm. who yeah, did Peter it? Weller. Yeah. Peter Weller, yeah. I mean he did a great job for that for, for that character, but I, I would love to have seen Rucker Hauer in that. That could have made a whole different dimension to it, but definitely so. And I think it's it's worth noting that Blade Runner took place in twenty nineteen. His character died in twenty nineteen and here he did pass away in the year twenty nineteen, which is pretty it's a very eerie piece of irony. Yeah. Yeah, it's really <laughs> quite uh like poignant uh, in a way, if you were thinking about that character and uh, and his his sort of dying monologue there at the end, uh, it's quite uh, uh, quite quite strong as far as like uh, you know the, Rutger Hauer's been in I don't I have to look up the exact amount but hundreds of films in some capacity and some small roles and just bit parts and things throughout his whole career, and so you know that that line of 
you know, what he's seen. I've seen attack ships off fire off the coast of, you know, <laughs> whatever it was. I can't remember the line exactly, but just this thought of like all of these things he's seen and done. I mean, just from a film career perspective is pretty, pretty dense and amazing. So I think that would have made Roy Batty proud. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, I guess our first exposure to him was Blade Runner. Um, I'm trying to think if I saw him in that film before that. Well, I know. I think uh, I think our our parents took us to see Turkish Delight when we were five. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think Blade Runner was was the first that I really remember seeing him. But uh, again, because of some of his smaller roles and things, um, I may have seen him earlier in something, but it just didn't register. It really wasn't until Blade Runner and that performance uh, and just that film in general that really sort of. Dicks with you in from our generation. I think especially uh, men, males from our generation. I think this was sort of one of those characters that sort of uh, also digs into some of the male psyche a lot of, you know, uh, sort of, you know, at the end of days, your end of life and all of these things looking back. And, uh, you know, so I think this is one of the things I think men struggle with a lot. <laughs> I think everybody struggles with that, but I think men struggle with that a lot. Um, about their achievements and what they've done uh, on their in their dying days, you know. So I think that really strikes a chord with uh, a lot of uh, men from our generation because this, this is one of those first sort of. Uh, uh, it's it, you feel very sympathetic towards him because as as his character, you know, it's uh, you know you see his flaws and all of his uh, you know designs, which are you know. Uh, would be seen as flaws, but actually, uh, you know, for that character was, was, was quite ra- well-rounded, you know? Yeah. And, and I think Blade Runner is one of the kind of films that it changes for me every time I, every time I watch it, because it, as I, yeah. as I, as I get older, because when I first saw the film, when I was a kid and I saw it in theaters, I never forget going with my dad to the theater with him and, and another friend. And we walked out and it was the, it was the original theatrical cut where it ended with Harrison Ford and Sean Young driving through like the oh, sunshine yes. And my dad's like, why the hell were they there the whole time? Why they stay in that rainy, depressing place? Doesn't make any sense. (laughs) I never thought of it that way, but yeah. Leave it to your dad. He always had those. Yeah, he was like, like, what's what's the point of it? Why are they stuck in that depressing place? And they could have just got could have just gone to this this wooded nice area. (laughs) And and I think I think Blade Runner was one of those films that like, some reason kids got it, you know, and all the adults didn't. It was a very weird summer of 82 because there were two films that came out the same weekend, Blade Runner and The Thing. Oh, yeah. Both of them bombed at the box office. Both of them had, uh, you know, very lukewarm critics uh, reviews, uh, a skewed negative. Yeah. Both of them got their ass beat by E.T., which which was still playing. Yeah. And, and, e- and E.T. just stomped their ass because it was a totally different film and it was much more family friendly. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> And but but now you know you look at it, two of the best sci-fi films of of the eighties are are the thing yeah. in Blade Runner. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, both of those films have such a like a, this little like this isolated feeling. Even though Blade Runner takes place in this huge you know metropolis, everyone's so isolated and insulated, and you know uh, uh, just there's not a lot of interaction with uh, like just that is not sort of business like. You know, <laughs> I mean, all the characters. It's really just. You know, it's 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 no interactions for pleasure. Even even Decker's interactions with um, Sean Young, those, you know, 
at some point they they become a little um, more personal, but uh, they were you know in the, in the initial phases were just quite quite clinical and quite uh, um, you know procedural because this is you know this was his job. So uh, and I think even with uh, the thing at that time, it, you know the the aspects of it as far as being isolated and not a lot of uh, you know choices to escape from the situation was uh, played played heavily on that. I think early in the early 80s, like 82 with the Cold War and all of the things going on with us growing up, you know, it was, you know, sometimes that felt like there was no escape <laughs> from all mm-hmm. the madness, you know, so I could see where these dystopian, you know, looking back now, why these films have such a resonance uh, with the people who kind of missed it in the in the beginning, missed that sort of um, aspects of it in the beginning and just uh, when you look back at the 80s now I mean that's all the 80s were kind of about it was it was kind of dystopian in a way mm-hmm. you know? yeah it was a lot of it was a lot of stress going on and, and yeah. I and I think that that those films really capsulate on and, and they both still hold up so well because they're still the themes are still so resonant but well and also they hold up so well because the because of what we're going to talk about the acting uh, i mean the acting in both of those films are impeccable from just about top to bottom i mean um you know everybody in the thing was just on point i mean the whole film and also blade runner um i mean with rutger hauer's performance in blade runner is just you know amazing as far as the depth he could bring to that character so yeah i think besides the you know, the overall script writing and direction, which were all great for both those films, really the acting for both of those films are what I think makes it stand the test of time as much as anything, you know. And and the thing about, about watching it as a kid is with a kid you watch it and you're more like, Rucker Howard is a bad guy. And you don't really have much sympathy for yeah. you. You're just like, you know, get him, get him. But the older you get, the more you, you, you get a sense for his humanity, for lack of a better yeah. word, because – because he's trying to live as much as he can in a, in a very few years, and and he acts rings around his co-stars who are, you know, all do fine jobs as replicants, yeah. but but he he really gets gets to gets to nail it home. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> in, in that closing monologue, when he's you know on the rooftops with Harrison Ford after Harrison Ford has shot yeah. him and he's you know mortally wounded. And he goes to that monologue, which is entirely. We should got to mention this. It was written by Howard himself. It was not in the yeah. script. Yeah. And it is one of the most amazing monologues you'll ever see in a movie. And I mean, talking about memories like tears in rain is just it's so poetic. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I remember. I mean, for me, with Blade Runner, of course, when I first saw it, and I, you know, I think I I didn't see it initially. When it first was in the theater, I think I saw it as, as it was coming into its end run in the theater. So I think I saw it later on in its run uh, while it was still in the theaters. But I remember distinctly, you know, the things that drew me as like, a, I don't know what, like 11 year old kid or whatever, when I was watching it, 12 years old, 11 years old. I mean, of course, the, the, the visuals uh, first pull you in. And uh, but once that character uh, of Roy Batty was on screen, I mean, I, I think that was one of the first times where it was really you you couldn't look away or you didn't even want to look away. I mean, this was like this was a character that was uh, you could tell the way he was portraying it, that there was such an underlying sort of pain and 
uh, despair underneath you. I mean, even just in his eyes from like the way he would convey certain things. And I think for me, oddly enough, at, even at that age, that monologue was one of the high points of that film for me because I, it just struck me, uh, you know, the thought of what happens with all of these memories you've accumulated and all these things after you die, you know, the things just sort of lost like tears and rain. And I mean, I remember thinking to myself, like, like, wow, I mean, I want to, I want to be able to have that kind of monologue when I'm dying to say, like, I've seen this and I've done this, you know, these sorts of things. And I think it really sort of resonated with me, like that, you know, as opposed to the characters like Decker and the others who were still kind of stuck on world, he, uh, Roy Batty, actually sort of lived a more full life like that, because that is kind of one of the things for me that was really, uh, really struck me even in the first time seeing that, you know, was was that monologue. I mean, uh, I mean, I love the film in general overall. And then and Decker, you know, he was just a, such a badass. But it's something about uh, the depth of emotion in, in Roy Batty that was quite quite unique i think so uh yeah that 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 always stood out to me and i think that that that's always something that i look for in villains now is because of rutger hauer's performances i look for villains that have some humanity and some sort of sympathetic uh identification with and i think that always makes such a more interesting villain character Mm -hmm rather than just somebody who's just evil or pure evil or, you know, uh, I mean, having, having these uh, other ranges of, of feeling and thought really, really makes a villain um, memorable and, uh, and sometimes even more frightening for me is when they show these signs of humanity, because then, then you start to identify, then you can no longer identify the villain as just the evil out there or the bad, you know, bad, whatever you have to kind of look at it as well, shit, there's, there's a lot of bad and everything. There's a lot of bad in everybody. And you just, it's people are struggle with it and people fight with it. And uh, that's the way the world is. So it kind of, you know, that I think because of his character and because of his acting performance, that this really kind of brought that, brought that home to me for when I'm watching films and looking at, at villains. Uh, that's kind of what I look for uh, to be a well-rounded impactful villain if you will <laughs> so yeah because he was and he and let's not forget he he was he was scary too i mean when he was oh yeah he was yeah. a very menacing character and yeah. uh and if if you've ever seen his films like if you ever watched the hitcher or nighthawks i mean he, he could play a really creepy oh, yeah i mean i mean the hitcher was another really great role for him because he was basically stalking c thomas howell across the desert and well, see Thomas Howe now wishes he had stalkers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. His career, stalking his career. <laughs> so, so it's he was just he was really mortifying in that, and and uh, he just his eyes he could just do such a cold hard stare that was just very intense and uh, and intimidating. I think. Yeah, I think. I mean, overall, just his his. Um, uh, his ability to convey like that that uh darkness and evil uh was was while still maintaining some semblance of of humanity and without being a caricature of like evil or these sorts of things which you see in a lot of movies also these days these caricatures of evil they're just basically like uh 
you know, a cliff notes of, uh, you know, evilness. It's not really like they're not being in depth uh, with with the character. So uh, but he always seemed to have that behind his, you know, behind his eyes and behind his face when he was performing that even if the character as written was not necessarily so deep, you could kind of garner a lot of that from from Rucker Hauer's performances. So. And he would he he was he had a very interesting way of looking. I remember I read an interview with him for the Hitcher when it came out, and he said he said it's 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 my version of E.T. He's like I, I'm like the alien, and C. Thomas Howe is, is is like is like Elliot, and I was like what? I still don't understand what the hell he's talking about because because it, it's it's a it's a buddy film. It's like it's about. Yeah. I was like yeah, uh, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I'd have to read that. Maybe he was being. Uh, he also he had quite from uh, I've seen with interviews and other things with him. He also had quite a sense of humor, like quite a like a rather dark and sort of subdued sense of humor. He he may have just been that may have just been one of his little dark jokes and saying like, well, yeah, this is my version of ET. You know, it's like the bunny. So I don't. I have to read more about that to see see what his intention of that. But yeah, I, if he's being serious about it, I don't I, I don't see the correlation. But uh, <laughs> And, I, and I'm glad that he got some roles towards the end, too. I mean, I thought, you know, even though there are bit parts in like Sin City or Batman Begins, you know, it's like they were those were fun little roles. And Hobo with, yeah. a, sh- with a shotgun was kind of like his last, yeah, yeah. I think his last, like, like really enjoyable film. Like as far as playing a lead parks, it was just so yeah. over the top and weird and violent. <laughs> yeah. So, so he, he was still going strong. But Blade Runner is definitely the one that you can keep going back to and back and back. And, you know, I, I thought the sequel was great. But I definitely missed his presence. You know, obviously they couldn't bring yeah. him back since he was gone. But it's like he right. left such a such an imprint on that. And I think and I and I have a feeling that his performance probably informed the the sympathetic view of replicants in the sequel because I thought yeah. a lot of people, you know, like uh, I, they were. I thought the people who played the replicants in that film were definitely had a, a human side that. Yeah. And I think they must have drawn some inspiration from. Yeah, I think so too. I think that that I, I'm not sure if you know, uh, you know, like like you said, when it first, when the film first came out, that you know it kind of got overlooked by moviegoers and critics, and a lot of people just kind of overlooked it. So I think I think as more people saw it over time, and as as um, sort of society changed and and circumstances in the world changed over the last thirty years or so, then uh, it sort of informed uh, the narrative of of uh those characters a little better so when they made the sequel it was kind of like well yeah they, the the humanity of these characters is a big part of and you know and this feeling of uh you know your time running out and uh, uh you know i mean that's not a new concept in sci-fi i mean you've got that happened in quite 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 in many films where the you know either the protagonist or someone is has a finite amount of time as far as like, I mean, you think of like Logan's run or, or, or movies like that, you know, where, um, you know, the characters are sort of on a, on a timetable as far as their life and death. Um, so that's not necessarily a, a new concept, but what, what was done with it as far as being so intimate and personal. Um, and I think most of that has to do with Rutger Hauer himself, uh, which makes it so powerful. So, yeah, I think so. And, uh, yeah, we'll miss him. He was a great, great performer. He did some great films, and yeah, the nice thing is, they'll always be around to revisit. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I I only regret that I never got to see a film with him and uh, and um, uh, there's a Malcolm McDowell, the Malcolm McDowell, 
uh, and uh, what's the other, the other shock-haired? Uh, no, Terrence Stamp. Terrence Stamp. That would have no. That would have been a pretty badass trio right there. You get those three together for a film. I would have loved to have seen that because those guys were quite very similar in in sort of their uh, style in in in, in uh, certain films, which I always thought those three together would make a really really. Uh, interesting combo to play off of each other, but to, alas, that won't be happening. <laughs> yeah, but now's the time to go back revisit filmography. Definitely watch Blade Runner and The Hitcher for sure. Um, you can find Escape from Silverboard, which is a really cool miniseries on CBS that aired in the '80s about Escape from a concentration camp. He was great in that. And I'm gonna go find some films that that I haven't seen by him. I, I've read about films like we uh, once called Flesh and Bone. Uh, it's kind of a sword and sorcery thing blind fury i want to check that out uh we should also give a little shout out to wanted dead or alive which is a really a total cheeseball film if you haven't seen it it's got uh, gene simmons playing a terrorist and <laughs> and uh and rucker howard as a bounty hunter based off a steve mcqueen uh tv series but <laughs> i'm gonna spoil it so if you don't want to know that thing turned out the plot is off now but the the, the, the big scene is the end where he brings Gene Simmons back and he gets a bonus if he brings it back alive. So he brings it back to, to uh, the person who I think it was, it was a police force. And he, and he says, yeah. you know, he has a grenade taped in his mouth and he's like, gives it back. And then he's like, says something to him and he's like, fuck the bonus. And he pulls it out and you see Gene Simmons, Gene Simmons head blow off. And then into him <laughs> walking down, walking down a grassy knoll and people yelling at him. He starts playing a harmonica. <laughs> I don't. It's so. It's so random. Oh uh, yeah. It was, it, I believe that was like a canon film, or like a, or like one of those, one of those. Oh yeah. Uh, Golan Globus, or one of the, one of the, one yeah. of, the, one of those one films that got like a straight to video release. But as, yeah. a, as a kid, I thought it was fun, but I'm, I'm sure it hasn't aged well. But he's he he, he 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 ran the gamut, and he was definitely memorable in it. So. Yeah. Great. <laughs> So, Rucker Hauer, fare thee well. You will be missed like tears in rain. Yes, and definitely. The fact that you passed away the same year as your character in that film is really strange and poignant. And uh, I'm sure once the films, I believe the film, you remember what month the film took place in? Mm, I, I don't remember because... I think it's the fall. That- yeah, because the set design, it was just rainy the whole time and dark, so you never yeah. really get a concept of. But I'm yeah. sure, I'm sure, whenever it gets like it's it's proper, you know, retrospected this year, people celebrate it. That'll be a big a big you know part of it because losing yeah. him was a was a big was a big loss. Yeah, so it's not looking forward to the end memoriam portion of the Oscars today to no. see Rutger up there, but uh, they yeah, been, they it's, better, a, it's a shame. They better not screw it up either. They better not forget him. I, I always, oh, yeah. they, they do it all the time it's so embarrassing how they're always yeah. screwing that stuff up they forget somebody there's always somebody that they're yeah. so they better, they, better, they better get it right <laughs> alright sounds good so alright thanks you guys for listening and uh, we'll we'll be back uh, with with something and another point we, we'll, we'll be back to our shitty movie lists and yes <laughs> yes we, we, we've had a lot of we've had a lot of personal stuff come lately between the both of us that's kind of delayed some things but we'll be back we'll be back on track soon so we've got we've got some good crap films coming up so we'll get back on track on that but until then next time watch blade runner and keep reaching for the stars
and Turkish delight with your hankies, your tissues and lotion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, give 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 that a whirl and see how you think about that. That'll give you a whole new appreciation for Rucker Hour. It's some crazy, crazy shit. Or maybe not. I, mean, I, 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 I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it yet, so I can't vouch for it. Yeah, me, me neither. But, but give it a whirl and we'll see you guys next time.